This is Jim. Welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I worked really hard on this episode today. I actually interviewed three different guests, each individually. And no, I didn't do a wardrobe change each time. It happened to be on different days each time, which was interesting to do as we compiled this episode on the topic of fair price warnings on Amazon. If you're an Amazon seller and you're selling anything that is considered an essential, which is a term that's up for debate, what is essential, what isn't essential, who knows where that list is. That's something we talk about. But if you're selling these essential items right now, well, price gouging comes into play. What is gouging? Who gets to define what is and isn't gouging? We're going to talk about that today. So these fair price warnings, these gouging issues that some sellers are running into, what are the safe categories to sell in right now where you don't have to worry about this? And the good news is, even if you do get some of these fair price warnings and you have to come up with a POA, which is a plan of action, you can rest assured that 95 plus percent of everybody who's going through this process is coming out successfully with their account intact. Unless you truly are doing something seriously underhanded or illegal, you're going to be just fine. Now, it's taking a little extra time as well right now because Amazon is seeing a lot of cases right now. They're trying to protect themselves. And I'm going to dive into this topic today with three different experts. The experts we've chosen are people who work with our community on a regular basis. They've helped students of our proven Amazon course who have had the misfortune of being temporarily suspended at some point to get their account back. Now, you don't always need to go hire a pro if you're suspended. As we'll learn today, you can quite often handle it yourself. And we're going to talk to three experts who can help us navigate this with hopefully the lowest amount of stress possible, the least amount of anxiety possible. Yes, we've gone through a strange time the past couple months. We're on the tail end of it now, in my opinion. But be well-informed so that you're not nervous when you hear from Amazon and they say, hey, we need a plan of action. Think about suspending you. Or if you do get suspended, what should you be looking for? What are those red flags to tell you you're heading down the wrong path? Our three guests today each have their own services. This is kind of almost considerate an interview process where we're checking out each candidate, spend a little bit of time with them. You can decide which one resonates with you if you ever need these services. Check out their websites and the other resources that'll all be listed in the show notes at silentgym.com slash podcast. If you go to that website, you'll get links to everything we're going to talk about with our three guests today. So let's jump into this episode. I'm going to interview them, like I said, one at a time. There's going to be a little bit of overlap on some of the topics, but I thought it would be very valuable for us to get the perspective of three professionals who've dealt with combined probably thousands of sellers who are going through that very uncomfortable warnings, fair price warnings, gouging, suspension process. This is one of those episodes too, if you hear of anybody else who's struggling with this issue with Amazon, specifically the fair price warnings, the gouging issues, send them to this episode. To my knowledge, this is going to be the most comprehensive discussion on the topic that you'll find anywhere because we're going to talk to three of the best today. Okay, let's jump into the episode. Our first guest is going to be Leslie. You're going to love all three of these guys. So Leslie, let me ask you, you're dealing with a lot of sellers who are in this fair price warning gouging arena with Amazon right now. What are you seeing? You know, peel back the layers a little bit. You're dealing with a lot of this right now. It is absolutely crazy. And part of the problem, I think, 
Amazon, of course, was not expecting this. I mean, why would they be, right? Mm -hmm. So in the past, before this, we would see a few price gouging cases a year, usually around a hurricane and someone, you know, price gouging on bottled water. But besides that, it's just not something you see very often. So Amazon moved really quickly to put these new protocols into place and this new programming and these bots out there to catch people. And frankly, they did a terrible job of implementation. And as an example, I'm very fortunate. I get to work with several extremely large sellers, top 10 sellers, top 50 sellers, lots of them. Every single one of them has had to submit a price gouging appeal, every single one. And then on the other end of the spectrum, lots of small sellers, mid-sized sellers. This one has not discriminated. If you do enough volume, you're going to get warnings for price gouging. Wow. Okay. So now that we've painted a super bleak picture, let's all change our <laughs> careers and uh, have a great day, everyone. Uh, no, but, but tell me, I've kind of kept my ear to the ground on this one. And, and I've even been dealing with some of my Amazon contacts at corporate in Seattle even. And like, hey, what is going on here, guys? I think they're as frustrated about this as yes. we are. Yes. And I do have some very positive... Yes. I have some very positive things to say too. So first of all... Of course we do. I know we do. I I was just kind of... (laughs) But at first though, this one did seem really bleak. It really did. There for Um, a week or so, it was pretty dicey. I got to say for sure. Yes. And I think the people who are the most frustrated right now are the executives because they are tasked with having selection on the site. Selection is everything for executives. Mm -hmm. In fact, almost anytime you're appealing anything, your best chances of success are if you have unique selection. And all of this unique selection has been taken down off the platform because of price gouging. So they are very frustrated. Also, they don't like hearing from my top 10 sellers. Right. And all these guys who have SAS Core and pay for it and are getting no help at all because SAS Core doesn't know how to help them. So they're paying for these strategic account managers several thousand dollars a month and getting no help. But what Amazon did do is they created a specific group inside of seller performance and they moved all of this price gouging stuff to that group. And these are some more experienced investigators and people who have dealt with let's say, emergency kind of problems before, and -hmm. they've put it in that group because Amazon was already really stressed on the seller performance level. The India offices have been closed because of COVID. And then in Central America, South America, the offices are not all up at full speed. Like half speed, maybe. Yeah. Yes. And Seattle is overwhelmed and exhausted. And there's mandatory overtime. Everyone is just beside themselves. Um, so, So the good news is we have not seen many cases where accounts have actually been permanently closed. Right. Um, That's the good news. It can take some time to get the good news back. 30 days is their SLA. Yeah. And that is not an Amazon standard I have ever seen where 30 Mm -hmm. days is the SLA to respond. The other piece of good news is usually they're not suspending. They are asking for the 72-hour POA. So you have three days to give them a plan of action. Right. And then you continue to sell while, while they review the plan of action, but it takes them up to 30 days. One of our sellers who's ginormous who you would know who they are if I said their name, took them 30 days to get a response. Wow. Yeah. And and some of these sellers are moving a million dollars of inventory or more a day (laughs) and shutting down for three or four days means laying off 20 people. It's just like, you know, cash flow is everything. So 
at the, I think if it's anything, it's consolation. 99% of this audience isn't, 99.99% of this audience isn't in that category of mega seller. Right. But just to know that you're, we're not in this alone. And I don't know if you knew this or not, Leslie, and we're not going to dive off in this direction. I commit other podcast episodes and other content is, but we're actually developing our own platform right now to help. Right. I saw that. Because Amazon is basically making it not out of their own choice. I would actually put full blame on the state of California, Florida, and there's a couple other states that have really put the screws to um, some markets where it just doesn't make financial sense to move certain products to market right now if you're going to sell into those states, which of course Amazon does. Mm-hmm. So we're going to sell into the states that don't have insane price gouging laws that make everyone run for the hills. We're going to sell into the other states that still allow you to raise your price if your costs go up. It's called maintaining your margin. Right. And so you know, sellers are nervous. As selection drops on Amazon, that impacts their ability to serve the customers well. It's all going to level out eventually, but it's opened up a little window of opportunity for us here to, to move some of these. We look at it as a service to the people who really need these products. They're willing to pay a couple bucks more. <laughs> They're not going to lose any sleep over if the price goes up two bucks. Whereas on Amazon, you would have got suspended. But so I love what you're talking about from a high level, the executives that you have contact with these teams and kind of setting the expectation. Let's kind of go through, I want to ask you like a worst case Best case scenario, like if you look at a bell curve of all these, and I'd be curious how many go in that bell curve, how many cases like this have you handled, but what's a worst and best case example? And then kind of what's that typical in the middle, if you would, does that question make sense? Absolutely. So the worst case, the good news for your audience is I know a lot of people in your audience and they are good people trying to do the right thing. Yes. Um, these are not people taking shortcuts or trying to get by with something. So the worst case really has been bad actors, uh, people who are price gouging, flat out price gouging. No one would argue it when you look at what they're selling, and especially the ones who are price gouging for essentials. We've had clients come in who are price gouging on masks and gloves, and they're the ones who are stuck in purgatory the longest because that's what we're seeing is not permanent suspension, but what we're calling this purgatory where you're suspended and then you're waiting a month to hear back, right? So that is the worst case. And frankly, I'm not really sure yet what the dispositions of those ultimately will be because we're still early in this. Um, most The oldest case I have that's still active right now is only 45 days. So we're not really sure what's going to happen on that. The average person right now caught up in this was not price gouging or they were allowing a repricer to manage their pricing on essential items. And so they may have crossed over into that price gouging territory. And they didn't even know they were selling an essential odds are. I've heard quite a few of those. It's like, who knew that was an essential? You know, we've got laundry soap. Something is like, what? (laughs) How'd that make it into the essentials? Right? Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of that has been bot driven. So there are a lot of mistakes, a lot of false Mm -hmm. positives. Um, Yeah. False positives. I love that term because what they're getting overwhelmed with, like once we look back a year on this is a year behind us, we're like, the bots caused a lot of false positives and we were really all on the same page, but just overwhelmed their ability to, on a manual basis, you know, get people back activated. <laughs> it scared a yeah. lot of us and it frustrated them. And like, we just kind of went at each other there for a while, but on the other side, um, but they had to, to stay compliant. The last thing they want to do is get mm-hmm. sued by like the state of California. Right. Exactly. Or prompt more legislation that they can't deal with on a state by state basis. Yes. 
That's exactly. too complex. And then, uh, to, and then to finish answering your question, the best, best case, case scenario. So we have some sellers who literally did not change their prices. But what Amazon, here's the huge mistake Amazon made in the beginning. The programming was not just comparing your price to average selling price or MSRP. It was also comparing to other platforms and sometimes comparing a branded product to a generic one. So I've got a client that sells a lot of supplements that are like the premium supplements out there. Mm -hmm. So it was comparing their super premium supplement to like (laughs) the nature's way vitamin C you buy at Walmart for $4. No, no joke. Uh. Mm-hmm. So we quickly got the past entrepreneur those. in me is just like raging right now. I'm smiling oh and pleasant, goodness. but oh, <laughs> I have a lot of sellers who I, I do work for who they sell premium soap, mm-hmm. and sure. their soaps have literally been compared to the you know the dial soap you get at Walmart for eighty eight cents. Mm-hmm. It's comparing it to that. Yeah. And so we've had to go back and say, this is a premium that people pay for these added ingredients. And then another area of success and early quick success is where someone has been able to demonstrate the increase in their cost of goods sold and their labor. So I have someone who manufactures hand sanitizer and has for a long time. Their cost of um, alcohol has gone up by five times. Oh yeah. Alcohol shot up. Mm-hmm. To the and, point where some people, well, I mean, I know of many, this is what you saw in the newspaper, many distilleries converted some of their operation to sanitizer because they could make so much more money. They could barely afford to bottle traditional alcohol with the price gouging laws in place, especially, but they could go off into the sanitizer world and, hey, you know, a, a gallon is now a hundred bucks. Say <laughs> that's reasonable because there wasn't much of a baseline. People didn't buy it in the public by the gallon before. Right. So you, they were getting into this new arena. Yeah. So that doesn't surprise me a bit. But so you're seeing some of that too, huh? Right. So when we can demonstrate, and we've actually sent Amazon invoices and said before, mm-hmm. after, those have gotten cleared up quickly and none of those have failed. They best, have all so these are all the best time. case scenarios. What was the timeline on these? Like when I say best case, I'm like, they were back pretty quick. Two to four weeks, but they were not suspended. They were given the opportunity to provide the preemptive plan of action. The POA, and, gotcha. Mm-hmm, the, uh, the downside of those is sometimes, okay, at the beginning of this, Amazon was holding your funds. So when they asked you for that 72 hour, you have 72 hours to provide a plan of action, mm-hmm. and then we'll review it later and decide whether to suspend you or not. At the beginning, they were holding people's funds. And so there was no cash flow for two to yeah. four weeks. Now they're not holding the funds. So that's a good thing. As of when? I think it started happening about 10 days ago okay. um, from the accounts that we've seen that the, they're still getting disbursement. Sometime around the beginning of May, they, they flipped the switch and they started doing disbursements even during that POA request period. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Because I'm, I'm kind of seeing ancillary evidence of what you're neck deep in every day. And that helps me out a lot because we're, we're, you know, we're a shoulder to cry on for a lot of people, but, but you guys actually provide the services and we'll give you a chance here towards the end of this to, to tell people how they can get a hold of you and work with you and your team and help navigate these when they need you, that sort of thing. But what questions should I be asking? What information should sellers know that we haven't hit Yet, I feel like we've kind of painted a picture of what the landscape looks like, but you know, how can we avoid needing you? 
to begin with. What are some things that you're seeing? If I have to put a POA together myself, what should go into it? You know, hit on some of those issues that you think are important. So on price gouging in general, if you've never had to sell soap to make a living, if you've never had to sell masks to make a living, really assess what your personal risk tolerance is right now. Um, if you have super high risk tolerance and you can get a great deal on a truckload of hand sanitizer and you want to do it, go for it. But if you are the average seller who really wants to make a living off of their account, right. now is not the time to sell soap or other essentials. I actually sell soap <laughs> and I have I have deleted all of my soap listings for right now because it is not worth it to me. You deleted them? I deleted mm-hmm. them because they will get swept up by the bot. Was it a POA or was it a proactive delete? No, proactively, I okay. saw all of this soap because I sell premium soap and I saw all these premium soaps getting hit and I get deleted hammered. my soaps. I would yeah. rather sell them in July. You know, I can hold them for a couple of months and relist them. I don't sure. want to go there right now. Or so sell them on your own. That's why right. our own platform, <laughs> familyfacemask.com. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's why that business exploded because we didn't have to worry as much you know, I'll, you know, let's say a, a state attorney general comes after us and goes, Hey, you're gouging. We're like, Nope, here's our costs. Here's our markup. We're one of the lowest prices in the industry. You know, we can do that. I'm not as worried about the states. Mm-hmm. It's Amazon. Who's got to yes. be worried about all states at right. all times. So yeah, that's what these, these third party platforms have popped up. So there's, there's opportunity here. Hey, if you got a lot of your soap, by the way, connect with us after this episode, we'll talk about how we be able to <laughs> it because we don't worry so much about that issue right. on our platform. But okay, yeah, fair point. And now's not the time to probably dive neck deep into the to, to these hot markets on Amazon specifically. If you're not a wheeler dealer, mm-hmm. then and you're really looking at long term, it is risky. It can create a lot of risk for your account. And if you if you do have to sell these products though, if this is what you do, you do cleaning products and essentials and personal care and medicines, turn off your repricer or reconfigure your repricer so that it is not touching your essentials or change the way your repricer works. There are a lot of people whose repricer is actually based on a percentage of profit that they want, or it's you know mm-hmm. what they paid times three. When you allow the repricer to do its job, you're essentially letting other sellers determine your price in a way because it's all based on the market and on mm-hmm. marketplace effects. Right. So if everyone starts selling the Tylenol for $40, all of a sudden you're selling the Tylenol for $40. And I know manual pricing is a pain, but right now if you're selling essentials, you've got to turn off the repricer and you've got to make sure you have min and max prices on everything. That's good advice. Yeah. Real good advice. So where is the low-hanging fruit. I didn't set you up for this question, but I think I could take a stab at it if, if we can kind of maybe stumble through it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a good question for sellers to be asking themselves right now, especially if they're you know inch deep, mile wide. I'll sell a little bit of anything, everything. What should I be sourcing that I can safely sell at a reasonable margin right now without gouging being an issue? Now, we probably have to put the caveat, gouging, you can be accused of gouging on anything. Right. <laughs> not just essentials. Right now, they're super sensitive on that. Mm-hmm. I think it's insane. We could debate the politics and the worldview of it all, right? We're not going to do that. We're just saying to stay safe on Amazon mm-hmm. right now. Are you seeing some low-hanging fruit? Who's not getting in trouble right now, but still selling their stuff at a reasonable clip with all these new shoppers online? Absolutely. Okay. I love beauty. 
and I love anything in beauty that is replacing a service that people aren't going to have and they're not going to go have, at least in some marketplaces. So like people in New York are not going to go, you know, here in Texas, we're going to go get our nails done now. But in New York, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) they're all still shut down. Yeah. It's very regional, which presents huge opportunities for us as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. This regional... Lockdown here, not here. Mm-hmm. And that's going to all settle over the next six months. But right now, huge opportunity. I think there's also a lot of opportunity in sports and outdoors. People are spending time with their families. They're not going to do camp or these other activities, or they might not go on a family vacation this year, but they still want to go outside and do some things with the kids. So are they going to be buying backpacks? Or are they going to be buying four square sets and badminton sets and sports balls? And I think there's a lot of opportunity there as well. You just have to get creative. And then we've all talked about the baby boom that will probably occur sometime about seven months from now. I mean, I think it's a great time to source baby items. I mean, that's you know, anytime people are locked inside for a long time, you have the potential for a baby boom and there's clothes and all kinds of accessories. Yeah. Well, we, we're seeing a record number of success stories in our community. And I know you're, you're in there, right? In the Facebook group for a call, mm-hmm. aren't you? Yes. You, you'd said, yeah. So you're, you're seeing, I mean, just it, a day doesn't go by without someone or a handful of someone's for the first time in a lot of cases ever saying, holy cow, my business is exploding. Yes. Because everyone's shopping online now. So get creative. Pretty much anything that isn't an essential is, you know, mm-hmm. unless it has to do with travel, people aren't buying luggage right now. <laughs> you know, we actually put up a graphic here a few weeks ago and an episode, maybe three or four before this one, we shared an infographic that showed, you know, what's hot, what's not right now. And a lot of stuff is doing really, really well. So don't be overly frustrated that you're going to get smacked down. There's a ton of opportunity out there. But, but what else? I, want, I like throwing that question at you. You've seen a lot more of this than I have. Again, my question is, what should we be asking right now? What should we be aware of right now? Maybe we haven't covered yet. I want to kind of just throw it back in your court. What, do you, what are you seeing a lot of? You know, if you could give me like some red flag warnings, don't go there. Or Absolutely. Absolutely. So Amazon is giving people warnings in their accounts. And here's something kind of strange to know about. In the past, you would just watch your performance notifications and it would come Mm -hmm. by an email if Amazon was unhappy with you for some reason. Now it can pop up as a case and it can pop up in that PPC scorecard that they have for you Mm -hmm. where it has like number of inauthentic complaints and a number and then you can appeal those. You really do need to log into the account. Don't do it on your phone because you can't see it well. Log into the account on a PC every day and see if anything has popped in because here's what I'm here to tell you, y'all. They've been making all these changes to the interface and they have some serious technology fails going on. Some of these warnings are popping in five days late. And this goes for price gouging and other things as well. There's a lot of restricted products warnings right now too around the masks and the gloves and you know anything that makes a claim about killing a virus so you got to be really careful to watch those because if you don't address them quickly, they can take your account down. And I've got a lot of clients who just weren't used to looking in those areas. They were just watching their email and depending on their email to tell them seller performance is worried about you. So that is a huge deal right now just because Amazon's making all these bizarro changes. And yeah. of course, they never like tell you. They never say, hey, sellers be sure and look in all these places. They just expect you to figure it out. So I'm here to tell you, please log in every day and look in all of those areas. 
I, I know there for a while they were giving you a phone call before they would suspend an account. Do you know if mm-hmm. that's still happening? It happens for certain appeal types at certain times. So if they're going to give you this opportunity for the 72-hour POA, they will call you. But sometimes if your risk profile is just too rich for Amazon, um, Mm -hmm. they'll just shut it down without calling you. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good to know. So this team that you alluded to earlier, I like just kind of riffing. You're handling it really well. But this team you mentioned earlier, that's kind of, this is all they're doing is the fair price and the gouging. Are those new hires? No. They've been, those are experienced. Because I've seen some strange things out of that group that made me think, okay, maybe they're just new. But things like we had one seller in our community that said, you need to go through your entire catalog, comparison shop against all major retailers, and make sure you're not charging more on any item than what they'd find at a major retailer as your plan of action. And I was like, I I, I literally smacked my forehead reading an email like, there's no way. They sent me a copy paste of this request. Like, I've never seen anything like that. There's no way that's now policy. So is that frustrating to you? I had to close my eyes while you were talking because my mother told me it is not polite to roll your eyes. (laughs) And I was rolling my eyes in my head. Okay, they are literally changing the SOPs. For a while, I think it was daily. Now I think it's every few days. They are changing these SOPs. There's no way that people are being trained properly. Amazon standard usually is that an investigator is trained for two to four weeks to learn a new suspension type. So if they've never done counterfeit before, they're trained mm. for two to four weeks on counterfeit, for example. That's not happening right now, though. Oh, my goodness, no. Yeah. And I think they are literally getting new documents every day. And frankly, Amazon, a lot of what they do, they run on like chewing gum and paper clips. You know, they don't... They don't have some beautiful portal that they sign into and it says, oh, here's all the news for the day and here's your new SOPs. It's not like that. So there is some nonsense definitely being sent out. You'd consider that an outlier. You see a lot of cases. But surely this isn't policy because if that's policy, you should rename it the let's get rid of half of our sellers tomorrow policy. (laughs) It's like... There's, if you make that no policy, how about Amazon is violating federal law by by trying to price set prices fixing. policy? Yes. They're, they're asking, at that point, they are literally asking for a law, uh, class action lawsuit, which I would, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be the last guy to sign on to one, but that's nuts. It, so, okay, I'm glad to hear you say it. And if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, that is an anomaly. But that's that's the chaos that we're kind of operating in. And order will emerge. Clear, you know, clear thinking minds will put things back in order soon enough. I know these people. I know you do as well, Leslie. I've talked with a lot of them. I've been to Seattle. I've sat across the desk from from people in these departments that you know you can bring them to tears. You say, you know, this old lady who this is her life and she's trained and she's finally got an and then like boom and she's like this close to losing her house because of a misunderstanding. Like they get it. It hits them in the heart too. They understand, but they're just so overwhelmed right now. They are. Uh, so I would encourage people, and maybe hopefully you see it this way as well, Leslie, but we're on the same side. Amazon sellers, we really are on the same side. We're kind of beating each other up a little bit right now, but I, you know, it could be a lot worse. And we're on the same side. I think that perspective helps. I mean, what's your perception of, you know, these are real people with real feelings on the other side of these POAs that are reading them and making decisions, right? Help us to understand these people a little bit, if you would. I think they really are, especially right now, doing the best they can. 
it's a terrible situation they're in. I think the executives do feel that push-pull between you have to not allow price gouging, but then we can't price fix. And they saw that they are really quickly moving over into price fixing land, which is a problem not just for class action lawsuit, but that's also legally a problem, violation of federal law and state law and everything else. So they they recognize these issues. The day-to-day investigators, I'm very fortunate. Eight of my team members are prior Amazon team members who worked in seller performance, account health, seller support. And they are salt of the earth, great people. They have friends who work there. They want sellers to succeed. They really do. If there's ever a time that this is true, it's not business, or I'm sorry, it's not personal, it's business. That is how they see this for real. Um, they see this as risk management. To them, risk management, they're not looking at you as an account and a person. They're looking at you as a risk factor. And sure. that sounds really painful and cold, but it's what they have to do to comply with federal law. It's what they have to do to protect their buyers and to protect the buyer experience and their amazing platform that, let's face it, is better than anything else on planet Earth. Um, Awesome opportunity. Yes. In spite of all this. It really is. And that's, I always try and get that across to sellers too, when they, I mean, I could tell Amazon horror stories literally for 80 hours without stopping because it's what I do all day long. But for the most part, we get it fixed. It's, you know, as long as you're a good guy and you're really trying to act on the up and up, we can almost always get it fixed. There are outliers where there are good guys who end up in a bad situation and we can't. And I think that's just a numbers game and it's going to happen. But Amazon wants to do the right thing for sellers. They do. Sellers make up half of their revenue. They have right. to. Third-party sellers are a big chunk of change for their whole product. Yeah, I've, I had, I've had conversations with execs. That I, I got to be a senior vice president, Leslie, and he, he asked, you know, what changes would you make around here if you were in charge? It was, it was an awesome conversation. But one of the things he said that I've always held on to was he said, you guys, referring to third-party sellers, are so much better at stocking our shelves and taking on that risk and figuring out a way to make money on stuff that we just can't figure out how to make money on it. We want to let you do what you do. We're not in that game because all these rumors pop up like, oh, Amazon's paying attention to what you're selling and they're going to create a brand and knock you out. Like, They're not going to create 10 million brands and try to go after everybody. It's not going to happen. Some of the low-hanging fruit, yeah, paper towels, whatever, You know, they're going to get into some of those niche markets, those... you know essentials, if you will, <laughs> home essentials right. during a non-crisis period of time, the stuff we call essentials. There are a few of those markets. But for the most part, they love the third-party marketplace. We have plenty of evidence of that. And if you don't believe me, just look at all the thousands of people who are succeeding on their platform. It just in our community alone, listeners to this podcast. Um, so let that be the evidence. Well, I need to re- start wrapping this episode up and I want to make sure that I give you plenty of time to tell us who should call you, when should they call you, and what services you provide so that we can hopefully connect some people and help, uh, help save the day on some, some stressed out sellers today that might find themselves in a, a tough situation. Absolutely. So we help people to get their accounts reinstated and their ASINs reinstated. And one thing that our clients love about us is we always answer the phone. There's always someone there who's going to pick up and talk to you and go over the situation to see if we're the right resource. And if we're not, we love to refer you to someone else who is. We also have monthly services for people who we monitor their account on a daily basis. And if they have a lot of ASIN issues pop up or warnings, we just 
take care of that for them and keep them out of trouble, which is a great thing. Now, I know a lot of people, especially the smaller businesses, they need to try and appeal themselves the first time if they're in a cash flow crunch. And that's totally reasonable. When you really need to get help is if you are overwhelmed and have no idea where to start, then don't ask Amazon questions and say, what do you want me to do? Or how can, you know, what are you looking for? Because they will just block you. If you are very emotional about the situation, like super angry or super crying, and that happens and that's okay. But if you're out of control emotionally, don't write your appeal. Or if you do have multiple people review it for you, because that is a recipe for disaster with Amazon. You have to be cool, calm, and collected in the appeal. You mm, have to admit you're wrong. Great advice. Even if you're not, you have admit to admit fault. you were wrong yeah, or you, find you something. Yeah, you've got to find something to admit, <laughs> seriously. Um, so, wow. And yeah. if you are stuck in an endless loop, so let's say you appealed, you wrote a good appeal, and they keep asking you for more information over and over, don't keep writing appeals. Hire someone because you're getting closer and closer to that block that you really don't want because then life gets harder. So, you know, you, you small folks, mom and pop out there, totally get it. A lot of folks appeal the first time themselves, but if you get in that loop, it's time to hire somebody. So that's what we're here for. And we do consult calls for free. Uh, so just give us a shout. You can go to our website. It's riverbendconsulting.com. And there's a form to enter your information or a phone number to call. And we would love to just chat about it. No pressure. Awesome. Well, that's beautiful. And that takes us to the end of the time that I have, although I think we could go on and on. I'm going to have to have you back and talk about this has been a fun topic. <laughs> I guess fun is not the right word, but it's been a very informative topic. But there's all kinds of other stuff I know that we could talk about because you guys see a little bit of everything and you're doing mm -hmm. a great work. You and the other guests that we've had on this episode have... have from my vantage point, have got the strongest reputations in the industry of you know helping sellers get their accounts back and reinstatements and POAs and all of those fun things. Let me ask you one final question. Mm -hmm. Is there ever a truly hopeless situation where like, no, you're not getting back on the... It's time to go find a partner. It's time to find another creative way. Do you have anyone that you've had to say, sorry, game over? How often does that happen? It's very rare. It's usually fraud when it really was fraud or counterfeit when it really was counterfeit on purpose. Accidental counterfeit, we've gotten that back. Frauded accounts where you can't even log in, but you didn't do it, we've gotten them back too. Uh, it's, the, it's the truly bad actors that we say, I'm sorry, I can't take your money because it would be unethical. Yeah. So there's always a path forward unless you're one of the crooks out there. And crooks and scammers, we don't want you listening to this podcast anyway. So everyone listening, there's always a path forward. It may take a little bit of time right now, but Leslie did a tremendous job of painting a, a beautiful landscape of, of what's going on out there, what the possibilities are. And I really think that we're on the tail end of this chaos. I think we're figuring it out as sellers and Amazon and you know more people are able to work now and it, you know things are going in the right direction from my vantage point. So this is a very timely episode that you helped us put together here. Leslie, thank you for being the guest. And to all the listeners, we got a lot more for you. So God bless you. We'll be back with you again real soon. So that was Leslie. She did an awesome job, was a great guest. Next, we're going to talk to Scott, who's also been doing fair price warning and gouging plans of actions for sellers who are dealing with these issues. He's been doing it for a long time, has a great reputation. You're going to enjoy this conversation with him. And then after him, we've got one more. So hang in there. You're going to be very educated on this topic as you hang with us today.
So Scott, tell me, how could sellers, Amazon sellers, prevent those dreaded fair price warnings and these gouging issues, the dreaded plan of action? Like, how can we be in prevention mode? Uh, I think if uh, you're paying attention to the warnings as they come through and, and doing that on a regular basis, staying on top of them, that's really important. So you want to make sure that you're responding to all the warnings. And then uh, one mistake I've seen a lot of clients making is they'll go in immediately and delete all of the listings that are associated. And you don't want to do that. When you delete the listing as an immediate response, one of the things that that does makes it really difficult to adjust your pricing. So you certainly want to go in and adjust your pricing, but the best practice would be to close your listing as opposed to delete it. One of the other things you want to do is you are best off if you can adjust all of your pricing via a flat file upload. And that way you have a case ID associated with the adjusted pricing that you can cite later on if need be in a plan of action. Very good. And that's, that's great advice. What categories are you advising, if any, people stay away from right now or be extra cautious about? Because you're handling a lot of these suspended seller issues. Right. What trends are you seeing? You know, the, the biggest ones would be items that you would expect uh, Amazon to be paying special attention to right now. So if that includes uh, things that are in health and beauty, but in particular, like soaps and items that people are using for cleaning or sanitizing, uh, anything that has uh, keywords associated in it, the bots pick up a lot of keywords that could uh, easily be part of a different type of product that they might not should be focused on. But for instance, like uh, as an example, masks, obviously not all masks are associated with breathing or protecting your ability to breathe or preventing some sort of a inhalation of something that you don't want. Sometimes it's uh, different. You know, maybe it's dust or maybe it's a Halloween mask or maybe it's a CPAP (laughs) mask or I've seen a lot of false positives also. But uh, certainly for sanitizer, certainly for any PPE, certainly for things that uh, would be known like uh, for Clorox types of products, all those kinds of things you would want to pay special attention to. But uh, one other thing that I think sellers miss out a lot on uh, noticing and, and paying attention to is if you go through all of your existing inventory that you're no longer selling. You should be doing that on a regular basis anyway, but especially right now, why would you want to have that sitting as a time bomb in your account where you're no longer selling that product and you have no intention of replenishing? You might as well go ahead and close those listings. Not delete, but close. Yeah. Right. Beautiful. So at what point would you suggest, and I know this feels a little random, this question in the order we're going in, but... People are kind of, these are the most popular questions people are asking us right now. Right. Uh, But what point would I need a pro like you to help with a plan of action if requested from Amazon or with a suspension issue? You know, what can I handle on my own? And at what point is it time to call Scott? Right. Uh, You know, I, I normally would encourage you to do everything you can on your own up until the point of getting rejected from your first plan of action. So, If you want to take a stab at your first plan of action, I feel like that's fair and appropriate and wouldn't want to discourage you from doing that. 
But by the time you get your first rejection and certainly your second one, it's, it's, it's time to call somebody in. And speaking of plan of action, you know, give me a, give me a crash course. And if I'm going to do that one myself, are there yeah. any magic words to avoid or that I should include? You know, one of the tips, for example, that I've often heard is don't get emotional. Don't write your life story, eight paragraphs and talk about how your kid needs diapers. You know, that doesn't go in your plan of action. Sure. Give us a few less basic bullet point pointers on how to write a good one if we're going to take a stab at it ourselves on that first round. Uh, that's a that's a great question. In fact, I'm planning on putting out you know more and more material to help uh, sellers with this kind of thing because I think every seller is going to get sick at some point. Everybody's going to experience at some point in time, no matter what you're selling, even if you're a private label seller, you're going to have a situation where you have to respond to seller performance with a plan of action, whether or not it's for an ASIN or whether it's an account suspension you've got to be equipped with the resources to be able to respond adequately. And so for that reason and and many others, I strongly encourage sellers to be better prepared to be able to respond adequately. It's a, it's a normal thing. It doesn't make sense to continue every single time that you need an expert to, to pay and pay and pay when you can do a lot of that work on your own if you have an understanding of what Amazon's looking for. And so in terms of plan of action, some of the things that I think about is, well, what a plan of action is not, right? You aren't just making up an apology or you know saying you're sorry simply to be able to check a box, hoping that you can get Amazon to reinstate you or to reinstate your ASIN so that you can sell it again. And I, and I feel like that mindset is, is a wrong approach, and it's not going to get you where you need to be in the long run if you're a serious seller and wanting to run a uh, healthy account long-term. And so I think that the better mindset is actually to figure out exactly what the problem is. You know, Amazon gave you a performance notification either uh, in your account health dashboard or in your performance notifications or via email. And it's your job to look at that and find out exactly what they think is wrong. And then before you start to write anything, before you do any kind of panicking, you've got to figure out exactly how that problem came about, where you would find that in your account, and then you've got to begin to uh, fix it. In fact, I would encourage you to go through all the steps to fix that problem before you even begin to write. And so the first part of the plan of action in order for it to be effective is you've got to uh, identify root cause and then say what you've done to fix it shortly after that. Root cause needs to be succinct. I think you could normally cover that in a paragraph. It depends how many ASINs you're being uh, cited for. And so after you've established root cause and are quite confident about what it is, and it's a real problem, very difficult for, for anyone, even professionals, to be able to adequately address root cause if you don't know exactly what the problem is. Well, so you want to be pretty sure of it. About fair price warnings, though, here. Yeah, I, I understand. Uh, but it's the same across any type okay. of complaint, right? It's like whether it's an inauthentic, whether it's an IP complaint, whatever the problem is that you're going to be, you know, you're, you're up at bat. It's your opportunity to be ex- able to explain to Amazon what the problem is, right? And so for, for a fair pricing warning, you're going to want to be familiar with the fair pricing policy. You're going to want to uh, uh, mention the market. Place fair pricing policy somewhere in your plan of action 
that uh, you're familiar with it and that you have gone through the steps in order to become compliant. And so you've got to identify, okay, you've been notified of these ASINs. Why were you in violation? How did you come to be in violation? And then shortly after you address the root cause, you want to be able to say, what I've done to fix it. One of the things that you want to do is be able to say that you have adjusted your pricing. You want to have, uh, if you're using a repricer, you want to have your min and max pricing set uh, appropriately. You don't want to be over 10% above uh, MAP or the fair market value. And so the the thing that you want to keep in mind in the course of all of this as you write your plan is you want to be very clear and very concise. I keep a lot of my plans of action to one page if possible. Sometimes I go to two pages and hardly ever go beyond two pages. In fact, since I've been doing this since 2014, I could count on maybe two hands the number of times I've gone more than two pages. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind, especially when it's something as uh, focused as like the fair pricing uh, policy and, and price gouging. Do you find that that being contrite and apologetic helps, even if you're not in the wrong? And I'll give you a specific example. Uh, we have people who have had a product at the same price for months or years. Right. Out of the blue, suddenly it's price gouging. Fair right. price warning. Your prices are out of line. They can buy this product cheaper at Walmart. And you're like, I've been selling it for this price for two years. We have specific examples like that. It's an extreme example, maybe, but I actually don't think they really put the screws to us. So do you admit fault and you go in contrite and you've lost already because you've been accused, or can you push back against it? What's your experience? I can't remember more than a few times, maybe five grand total times in the past six years where we've pushed back and had to be successful. Wow. Um, and wow. so with sometimes it does Probably a couple thousand back. cases managed if I'm at least. Easily. Easily. Yeah. And uh, I mean, sometimes that's my initial response. It's like, I'm listening to you as a client and I get indignant on your behalf because of the things that I see that you're experiencing that are completely unfair that you're caught up in. And in fact, you did nothing wrong. That's a difficult situation, but I still, you know, that's one of the reasons that you're paying a professional is for us to be able to step back and see the situation for what it is. Remove the emotion. Exactly. Exactly. If you're emotional, I I saw this with a, a business partner the other day. He was very upset with somebody that he was working with. And he responded to me with the emotion that he wanted to be able to express to them. And it didn't, it didn't go well. I had to call him on it, right? And it's like, well, he, yeah. he accepted that and understood it. But it's something that you've got to understand in every situation. You know, you don't uh, let the sun go down on your anger in terms of if you've got a, a, a disagreement with your, with your spouse or whatever, right? It never goes well if it's in the heat of the moment. And you don't want to respond to Amazon in the heat of the moment either. That's beautifully said. Yeah, it, you've got to reduce the situation down to a number. I've talked many people off. You know, I like that word indignant. They're just they're just totally emotionally vested in the outcome that they want. And then you find out, well, they've only got five units of this ASIN, and they were going to make twenty eight dollars if it went their way, as opposed to ten dollars if it doesn't. I'm like, really? You're going to go to war for this? Reduce it down to a number. Yeah, and you've, this is why we teach. Also, you know, you've got to be diversified because at some point, I like what you said. We're all probably going to face the heat. Probably going to have to come up with a plan of action. Uh, but like we always say, and let's see if this still holds consistent with you, Scott. I've been saying this for years, and I'm bouncing this off some of our other experts too. About ninety-five percent of the time, when you're called to the principal's office with Amazon, it's going to be okay. 
right? And unless you've done something just egregious and you know it, and you've really tried to sell, you've tried to sell products that you just don't have, for example, right? right. You've tried to set up multiple seller accounts and you've kind of thumbed your nose or flipped them the bird and like at the process. But if you know that you're, you're walking a borderline, it was a gray area, you got called out on it, you're going to fix it. Here's my plan of action. I'm sorry, I won't let it happen again. 95% of the time you get your account back, it could take some time. But is that number still accurate? Let's go there first. I would quote the same number, actually. I feel like, in fact, that's that's my track record, right? So I'm at least 95% of the time successful and, and better, right? Yeah. But what's important to keep in mind is that doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to get back. And that number plummets dramatically if it's a second suspension or third suspension. Second, you know, third. Second, third. I, I've gotten people back from fourth suspensions, but you don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to hold my breath for you, right? They're keeping and it's, track. Uh, That's yeah, right. it's a it's a difficult situation. You certainly are uh, putting your relationship at stress to the point where they sure. don't trust you anymore. And, and what you, percent of the suspensions right now are fair price warning and gouging is coming across your desk? I don't know that it's fair for me to quote a number on that because I only see what I see, right? I, I see a sure, portion, total number of suspensions, but uh, it's pretty small, right? And I think it has a lot to do with the other things going on in your account. So for them to just sort of pull the trigger and suspend you for price gouging, normally it's a newer seller or uh, some someone who has not uh, been on the platform for a long time. I saw a seller that's been on the platform for uh, six years suspended the other day. They had never had trouble before of any kind, but it wasn't just about price gouging. They also had had a number of other performance notifications that they had not responded to. And that's a big problem. You've got to respond to performance notifications. You can't, can't just ignore them and expect them to go away. Understood. Have you seen any of these cases where sellers are expected to match the prices of retail stores coming across um, your desk? It's Actually, it's an important point and one that needs to go in your plan of action. One of the things that, they, uh, that Amazon wants to know that you're doing as a seller is comparing your prices to other platforms. So you also want to mention that you're actively and regularly monitoring the price for these types of products on other platforms like Walmart and eBay and Target and you know whatever else might be appropriate. Because if you're not doing that, how can you possibly know if your price is fair? Right. And you know, not to, to dive into the weeds of that debate, but <laughs> probably one of my least favorite English words is fair. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's literally very, undefinable, um, right? You know, just from the vantage point of you know, just taking my wife for example, if she knows that Benadryl's six dollars at Walmart, but we don't want to get in the car right now, put on our masks, and go to the Walmart and walk around, we'll pay gladly pay someone ten dollars on Amazon. Right? Yeah, but Amazon yeah. with these policies, you know, we'll pay four or five. We'll pay a forty. 80% markup without hesitation. And a lot, millions of shoppers feel the same way. But yet sellers are being asked, and I'm not beating you up right now. This is kind of the, the system is kind of a little broke from this vantage point. A lot of sellers with a lot of ASINs are being told to sell it at the same price. Although there's a lot of extra added convenience for the consumers. Right. If they, I mean, you just can't you can't confuse logic and reason with the rules that are, you're being asked to abide <laughs> exactly. by. Exactly. So, Thanks for allowing me um, to vent a little bit there, you know. But and, and that's one of the reasons, Scott. I, don't, I haven't filled you in on it, but one of the things we're doing right now is launching our own platform specifically for 
essential items. Yeah. And we're not going to sell into the states that have the most restrictive price gouging laws. Yeah, we're so, going to I mean, sell into the states that recognize margins go up. Or, you know, so margins stay steady when costs go up. Some states don't recognize that. The state of California does not recognize, for example, that if your costs double, they don't care. You're not allowed to raise your price more than 10%. Never yeah, mind that you can't even produce the product. Right? It's not based in reality for them to not consider the you know cost of goods are increasing. Exactly. The, the cost right now to buy a mask is higher than what it used to be at retail. It's just um, yeah. Um, the the price of production the price of production has shot up dramatically. Supply right. And demand and and you know you have to pay a lot more money to get people to go to work right now. You know, I, you don't have to look far to find articles. People would rather be at home and, you know, get that check than go to work. So they're having to say, hey, we'll give you five more dollars an hour if you'll come to work. Those sure. costs go into the price of the goods. So the price of the goods go up. But Amazon's saying, no, you got to hold your price steady because California says no more than a 10% price increase. So we're getting squeezed as, these, as the resellers right now. We're getting squeezed, which is why we're launching our own platform. But, but I want to be very realistic. You've got to play the game by Amazon's rules right now. You can't exactly. go to battle and give them a... Exactly. You can't get up on your... On your uh, what's the word I'm looking for? On your, your high horse? High horse or... Oh, there's another better word for it. Someone's just saying it to the podcast right now. But you jump up and you're like, hey, Amazon, your rules are terrible. Here's why. You know, that doesn't go into your plan of action. It's well, going to get rejected. game plan as a seller needs to be to account for this discrepancy between reality versus what they want of you. And that's right. If, you know, every single time you get notified of something that's absolutely crazy, you, you can't get all upset about it and, uh, you know, respond inappropriately. Your job is to be systematic and to look at the long game. I mean, your account is your golden goose and you've got to protect it and you've got to keep it healthy and you've got to weigh the risks of taking advantage of a situation like this when I just don't think it's worth it in the long term. You know, you, yeah. you might make a few extra thousand or hundred thousand or whatever right now, but if you lose your account, it's not worth it. Yeah. And soapbox is the word I was looking for. Uh, and there are millions of other products you could be selling besides the one that you think is your bread and butter and you're going you're gonna to fight to the death and <laughs> claw tooth and nail and get Amazon to change their policies. No, you're not. I'm, you know, so I think that's one of the stronger themes that's coming out here is you got to play by the rules. I, even, I'm, I find myself convincing sellers that, yeah, apologize. Say, yeah, I was in the wrong. I was in the wrong. Even if you're selling a product at a loss, to play the game, you got to say, yep, I was in the wrong. I was gouging. I apologize. It'll never happen again. Here's my plan. I've compared my prices to all these other retail stores. You know, then you move on and you maybe drift Pretty away much. from that product if you have to. Yeah. Right? This I is temporary. This is temporary. This is a game we have to play. Thank God. I mean, we're going to get through this and it's going to be back to normal, hopefully, as far as Amazon and pricing and gouging will be a distant memory. But for right now, uh, this is an issue that a lot of people are, are having to deal with. And when I say a lot, you know, I mean, we're seeing in our community, I hear five or six people a week, tens of thousands of sellers, and I'm hearing five or six people a week saying, yeah, I got a temporary suspension. How long is it going to take? Which is my next question for you, by the yeah. way. So it, I think the odds are still with you. If you're keeping an eye on your margins, just don't raise anything that's in the essential categories more than 10%. You're going to get through this. But how long does it take right now? There's a bit of a bottleneck, it seems to me, to get people I cleared. I would agree. 
we never tell people uh, an exact timeline because it's impossible to do so. There's no way to guarantee that someone's going to get back in a certain period of time. And so at one point I had uh, six different accounts that all showed up at the same time and five of them were back within, you know, some some in a week, some in two weeks, but then there's a, a sixth that's still suspended and shouldn't be. You know, there's no reason why he shouldn't have been able to get back on. And I, I can't tell you why he hasn't, but it's, you know, it's time to escalate that. Well, here's my last question, Scott. I mean, I could talk about this all day, but we've got a couple other experts on this episode today. So I'm going to bounce around some of these same ideas and a few other ones with them as well. But sure. I don't want to let you get away before I find out how our listeners can get a hold of you that want to hire a pro and what you bring to the, to the game. You know, this is your chance. Brag on yourself a little bit. Talk about what you've done, how many cases you've handled, that sort of thing. You're one of our most trusted partners in this arena. So I just wanted to give you a little chance to basically toot your own horn for a second, man, and tell people at you know, what point they should call you and how they find you. Sure. Uh, so one thing to know is there's no obligation. There's no cost just to have a conversation. And you know, I think that's important for you to know. You don't have to uh, have trepidation about picking up the phone or scheduling a call or sending an email. Uh, you can get a hold of me on uh, met, you know, Facebook Messenger. And uh, the website is Ecom Seller Tools with uh, one M as in Mary. Seller, S-E-L-L-E-R, tools, T-O-O-L-S.com. So you, you can reach me there. You can reach me on Facebook. It's uh, email scott at ecomsellertools.com. I've been in this uh, since 2014, consulting full-time. And uh, like many of you, a seller for several years before that. And so I understand what it's like to uh, experience the pain of selling and to experience the pain of dealing with a situation where you might not really be at fault. And as you mentioned before, you know, you like to say, hey, you know, maybe it's important to be contrite, but you want to take responsibility. Amazon wants to know that whatever it is that they're alerting you about, that it's something that you've taken seriously and that you're taking that you're accountable and and that you're taking responsibility for it before you just apologize. You're not apologizing and saying I'm sorry just to be able to get what you want, which is back on, you want to make sure that you've fixed whatever the problem is. And then you want to be able to tell them what you've done to fix it. So we've been successful with that for for years now. And uh, again, as far as when's the right time to get a hold of a pro, it's uh, really after you've, uh, if you want to, it can be before you've done anything, but certainly after you've uh, received your first or uh, second uh, rejection. Understood. Well, that's fantastic. And on those links will all be in the show notes as well for those of you who are listening while while driving and and uh, don't didn't have time chance to take notes. Write down Scott's info. We'll have that in the show notes at silentgym.com slash podcast. Just scroll to the notes for this episode and you can check out Scott's work and his website and give him a call if you need him. And uh, I think the favorite part of this episode so far for me today for this conversation with you, Scott, was that, ni- that magical 95% number, it's going to be yeah. okay. Odds are very strong in your favor. It's going to be okay. So Don't panic. Just, panic you got to play the game by their rules. Panic. Yeah. Right? There's always a way forward though. And I love providing creative solutions for, uh, for sellers, you know, so you can go to bed at night and, and sleep well, <laughs> knowing that you've got a viable business that's still going to be here and, 
And there's always creative ways forward, no matter what you're facing. So, hey, thanks for hanging out with us today, Scott. Really appreciate you, man. Hope to see you soon, buddy. We're going to have another live event one of these days. And I know you've been to some of them in the past. We're looking forward to doing that again. And hopefully you can, you can make it to one of those again with us. Yeah, likewise. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your time, buddy. We'll talk to you again real soon. Okay. Sounds good. Take care. Okay. That was Scott. He did a great job. It was cool hanging out with him for a while and, and getting his perspective on this issue. Next up, I'm excited to bring you our final guest, which is Cynthia. She's probably been working with our community longer than anyone on suspensions and reinstatements. She's been doing this for a long time. She's got a lot of experience in the industry and one of the originals who offered these services as far back as I can remember. So our final guest today on this issue, and again, I'll remind you, there might be a little overlap here, but there's new content and new information and new ideas to be gained from each of these speakers. That's why I talked to each of them and we tried to mix the questioning up a little bit for you so we could get a great perspective across the board. And again, you're getting to know these folks. You might be working with one of them or their teams at some point. So kind of get a feel for which one resonates with you and where you're coming from. And again, you can contact any of them for pricing or further information, of course, as well. But next up, like I said, let's meet Cynthia. She did a great job with us as well. And that'll be our final guest for this episode. Okay, so Cynthia, thanks for being on the show today. And let's just get right into it. What tips would you have for sellers who are either trying to avoid these fair price warning issues or who are already kind of involved in them? Just talk us through a little bit from, from your perspective. Well, first of all, I want to tell people about the fair price issues is that most of them are resolved. So it's scary to get an announcement and to have an ASIN or even your account suspended. But we're getting everyone back so far, except for the the people who truly were price gouging. And of course, people would rather avoid that. Like you said, they would rather not have to go through the stomach churning experience of trying to resolve this with Amazon. And one of the things that I tell people is, is to look at the strictest state like California is a very strict state, to look at their rules about, you know, price gouging. Because, you know, Amazon calls it its fair pricing policy, but it's they're talking about price gouging. And to look at what their requirements are and what they consider price gouging. And also, in particular, look at what is an essential item. Because there are essential items that people are just not even aware are essential. Like we've seen quite a few of those where somebody who's selling, I don't know, hardware or wood stuff, stuff with wood in it or plywood or, you know, and they're finding their items taken down and they're like, what? You know, and, uh, and well, so what's the best way to find it out really if a- your items, an essential item, what is there a list I hadn't of specific There's, products? Amazon does not have a list. The list, you have to look at the state. And that's why I said, look at like one of the strictest states. Like I look at California and Florida. Those are the two that, you know, they have a lot of natural disasters and they have their rules down. And look at what they consider essential because it's way beyond the obvious of soap and, you know, stuff like that. And then also look at their rules about it. So what they usually say is anything that's more than 10% uh, above normal retail is price gouging. So, so if an item is $5 before the crisis and you're now selling it for, you know, $7, you're price gouging. 
right? And, and so people may not even realize that. And so the first step is to identify your items that would be considered essential. And then two is to make sure your repricer is set in such a way that you cannot go over a max. So you might say, hmm, you know, X percent over retail is X, you know, maybe it's $7 and, um, and I, I won't go above $7. So your repricer won't get you in trouble because we've had that happen before where, you know, it wasn't intentional at all, but people's repricers, as other sellers sold out, their repricers went, yay, and they went up and up, you know, and it was automatic and the seller wasn't even aware. Yeah. So those are the and we, two We've seen that happening with, with Amazon actually too. They have a lot of their pricing set on automatic adjust. I'm, I'm oh, yes. Because... Yes. You see sellers getting shut down for gouging at a price that's lower than what Amazon's selling the same product for. And, you know, we've run into quite a few examples of that. And uh, it's been frustrating for sure. I can tell you why that's happening. Yeah. So obviously, there are things that have gone up in price because of the crisis. Either, you know, the raw materials are more expensive, it costs more to ship it, you know, whatever it is. And for certain essential items, people might be air shipping them from China right, where they would usually do it by container ship. So there are costs that do and have gone up. And basically with the state, if you can show that your price is reasonable and that your costs went up, then they're not going to sue you for price gouging. That's with right? states. So yeah. States typically, except California and Florida, if, if you're, you can protect your margins and be just fine. But with California, it's, it's 10%. Well, as it written, is as written in again, law. Yeah, but if you look at the the fine print, they do make some allowances for if you can prove that your expenses have genuinely gone up. Like think about when we had the tariffs on steel, right? The price of steel went up, right? And and so if you were selling an essential item that was made out of steel or had a steel component, you know, you could show, well, my costs went up because of the tariffs. And, you know, but that's the thing. You have to be ready to prove it. And so I, one thing I tell people is don't just raise your prices because everybody else might be, because that happens. Again, people start raising their price. They kind of get away with it. They raise their price. And there might be a whole group of sellers. Like one of my clients who, who had his listing suspended was the lowest price seller on a listing. And the price on the product had only got up like $4. It didn't matter. And so, you know, I said, well, feel comfort in the fact that everyone was taken down, not just you. <laughs> right. Um, right. And, so and, and I don't know that, people- that we can tackle in this episode, just to keep us on track with what, you know, the intention of this would be is staying compliant with Amazon. We're not going to drift right. into how do you deal with it if you hear from the state attorney of Florida, <laughs> attorney general of Florida. Right. right. You're gouging. And I've talked to some, you know, just to put a button on that issue, you're not ignoring it. Basically, if you can demonstrate that your margins have maintained steady, meaning I rose my price because my costs went up, then you're going to be just fine. The bigger concern, the immediate concern right now, especially for the the vast majority, 99% of the sellers in our community is, I want to stay off Amazon's radar right now. And if I do find myself on the radar, what do I do? So that, you know, I want to stay in that lane and make sure we don't kind of mesh those two together as the same message. It's a very different game staying legal in the states you're in 
versus keeping your Amazon account. You're on thinner ice with Amazon right. is my perspective. Way thinner ice. You are. They act faster. But Amazon is also following the state's guidelines. And so right. they're attempting to, to implement that what- across the board. Like because they sell into California, yeah. they don't allow you to delineate. That was one of my suggestions I had for them, by the way, Cynthia, was just give us an option to not sell to California and Florida and those other states that have an exact percentage written into their law and this lettuce the free market determine pricing on the rest of it. They didn't like that idea, I don't think. But <laughs> because yeah. you know, across the board, the cost of everything is going up right now. I mean, literally everything, essential, non-essential, everything, the prices are rising. Um, so we're all kind of playing a game right now um, with the laws and with Amazon's rules and plenty of opportunity still, but that's just the reality of, of what we're seeing because of the virus chaos. Right. And, and like I said, again, we're, a lot of my clients, get confused or get into problems is they don't understand that their item is essential. I mean, the obvious, of course, they know hand sanitizer is essential, but there's so many things that that they don't realize, whether it's a a baby product, even certain toys. I mean, there are certain things that are just essential and that that you just wouldn't think of. And so going to the trouble of reading through that, that boring list is helpful. Because it might make you think, ooh, you know. Is there a state that has that a fairly might... comprehensive? Would you suggest California and Florida to to get to put together a pretty comprehensive list? Yeah, and and for the most part, their lists are pretty much all the same. So that that's what I found when I was reading it. It is it is boring, but it it's helpful because it it triggers some thoughts like hmm. And then the other thing people need to understand is Amazon runs everything by algorithm. So you have to start thinking what are the keywords that might get me, even though, you know, like for example, uh, when they stopped allowing people to sell masks, right? When they said, okay, you have to be vetted before you can sell N95 masks. There were a bunch of sellers that were taken down that were not selling masks, but the product they were selling, like a tool or something with a part or, you know, a model that had uh, N95 or 95 in it was taken down. And so they're like, this is not a mask, <laughs> you know? Right. And, you know, we have it straightened up over time. But that, that makes you think, oh, you know, what would be a keyword that they might use to do a takedown and to try and look at your keywords in your listings too? Like a lot of people found out when the COVID stuff really started, they had listings taken down because they had what I would say, you know, medical type words in them. like. Mm disinfect, sanitize, clean, or, you know, anything, almost anything relating to health, just a ton of stuff was taken down. Stuff that had nothing to do with essential COVID items. And, you know, again, it was because it was all by algorithm. Keyword. Right. Right. And Amazon's, you know, in their defense, they're, they're walking along with sellers, a pretty thin tightrope right now. <laughs> they don't want to get sued mm-hmm. by the state of California. You know, none of us no. do. We just want to get through this, okay? And it's sorry I marked my Band-Aids up a $1.50 higher than they were before. <laughs> like, I'll bring it back down. You know, we just want to get through this. But at the same time, you know, they're, yeah. they're monitoring millions of sellers and tens of millions of listings. And they, they roll out these algorithms and they, it throws out a lot of baby with the bathwater. And we, that, that's just part of the game. And right now, everyone's kind of on edge. But the good news is, I love where you started, Cynthia, is the vast majority, unless you were ridiculously over the top gouging, the vast majority of people, what we're hearing is they're getting right back in. 
and they're getting their accounts back. It just takes some time. So maybe that's where I'd like to go next is, you know, and I've, yeah. I've asked a few other folks this question too. How much time are you seeing right now? If let's say you're suspended for fair price warning and they want a plan of action, two questions. What goes into your plan of action? If you're just going to help me, I'm going to do it myself. I don't necessarily want to hire Cynthia right now. I want to take a stab at this first round. And how much time should I expect that that's going to take? Okay. So the plan of action for fair pricing policy is Amazon basically just wants to see that you understand their fair pricing policy. Like I said, I would say 99% or better of the people they're taking down are not true price gougers and they know it. 99% really, that's a a true math number for you, not just a number off the top of your head. 99 of 100 of us, they know we're not really gouging. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they know it. Um, Because what happened was they took the truly guilty out early on, like the 3,900 that they turned over to the various states' attorney generals, right? Mm -hmm. These were the true bad guys. They were price gouging. They, yes, these were the really bad guys. Okay. But they know that most of us are not. And so with this exercise, it's really a cover your exercise on Amazon's part so that they can show the states and other authorities, hey, we take this seriously. And, you know, we've been making sure that everyone understands the fair pricing policy and and blah, blah, blah. And so because of that, the POA is actually not that hard. Really, all the, the seller needs to do is to, one, explain, you know, why, why their price went up. And, and again, if you have a legitimate reason, like, I'm air shipping my goods now and the price went up. You can tell Amazon that, right? They understand that sometimes it's totally legit. If it's more of a case where you just weren't keeping your eye on the ball or you were pricing along with everybody else and they were wrong too. Your automatic, um, using you know, an automatic pricer isn't an allowable excuse, I would guess. It's not an allowable excuse, but it is a reason. And so you can say, you know, this is what happened. I was right in the middle of the pack. I wasn't trying to. And then what you do for the plan of action part, so that's the what happened, the root cause, right? Right. And then for the plan of action part, you show them, you know, how you you fix that, right? So you've changed the rules of your repricer. You've identified a list uh, in your inventory of things that are considered essential. And, and then you've read Amazon's rules about fair pricing policy. And you can just basically barf it back to them because that's what they're looking for. And, and that usually does the trick. So yeah, they have what they want, which is, you know, you understand fair pricing policy and you, you know, it's not going to happen again. And you get that pretty quickly. I mean, most of our clients, once they turn in their plan of action, they're usually back in a, a day or two. Wow. Okay. Is that, does that have I anything mean, to do those, with using a professional? Because I'm hearing stories of two weeks and more. Perhaps it might have the difference between amateur and professional. But, you know, I, I want to make a caveat here that I'm talking about when it's like a listing or a few listings taken down. Uh, account reinstatements are taking longer. And so because they're for an account reinstatement, they just take longer to review them. I don't know why, because it's the same issue. But yeah, we, we defined it. It just it really depends on, you know, how backed up Amazon is. But for yeah, the most which part, which I think they're as clients, backed up as they've ever been right now, from what I'm seeing. 
because they, they, are they, for they suspended things. a lot of accounts in our community alone. And, and they're all coming back. But, you know, mm-hmm. we're seeing week, two weeks. I've seen a few three week plus. They're still waiting. And it was two or three ASINs. And, you know, instead of staying at 10%, they went to 18% of a markup or whatever with a repricer. And now they're going back and forth with Amazon on a suspended account with POAs. Um, there's a lot of them out there. I don't, I certainly don't want to scare anyone off, but there are a lot of people no. who are kind of in limbo right now. There are. I'll know they're going to get their account Please. back, but when? <laughs> Is it like when? Please. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and it's always, I'm always, you know, mixed feelings about the way Amazon keeps me in business, but, um, <laughs> but it is because of things like this. And it's possible that people are not including everything in the appeal that Amazon wants. I, I don't know because for the most part, they're happening pretty fast for us. And uh, again, with the ones that we find that are taking longer, they're usually more complicated. So okay. there's something else going on um, that either contributed to the problem or that has to be addressed for them to reinstate. So, but the straight off guys where it's just, hey, you've violated our fair pricing policy. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me ask you a question that I'm not sure really I know the answer to. And I don't know that I've heard anyone answer this before. Let's say it's, it's an item. We teach a lot of inch deep, mile wide. You know, This is one of the 1,500 items or one of the 40 items that I sell. I'm happy to walk away from it, Amazon. I mean, because I've heard this from many sellers. It's, it's unfortunate, but they're price gouging, according to Amazon, at a price loss. Meaning, I'm happy to walk away from this price. I don't know how anyone can sell it at a profit for the price you want me to sell it at, Amazon. I'm happy to walk away. Right. Is that an acceptable... Right plan of action response. It's, hey, I, I can no longer make a profit on this item at a price that, that I'm expected to sell it for. I'm just going to remove it from my inventory. That's not enough by itself. You can certainly include that in a plan um, if you want to tell them that's what you're going to do. But that is not that doesn't address their fundamental issue that they want you to understand uh, what the you know, fair pricing policy is and to comply with it across your inventory. So they don't really care on an individual ASIN level whether you sell it or not. Mm. That's a business decision for you. That's good. Um, But yeah, so that's sometimes maybe why people aren't getting back as quickly because they haven't really addressed and reiterated back to Amazon its fair pricing policy. And and that's what Amazon wants to see. It's kind of like being in school where you have to do an essay test and you have to just reiterate what the professor told you, right? right. And Even if, if you, you disagree, you think it's fundamentally in. incorrect, and you and you know, like me, I mean, you know, we, I'm sure we all vary on our definition of what price gouging is. To me, the word itself is pure insanity, undefinable. That's where I'm at. I don't know. There's other people who are like, no, it serves a very specific purpose in the marketplace, and we can still be friends and disagree. But none of that matters. It's what does this the 25 the year old sitting at the keyboard <laughs> at Amazon, what do they think? I mean, we got to make them happy right now. We got to get an A plus from they, the professor. <laughs> they have a checklist. So think of it as a pop quiz, right? They have a checklist. Either you get the right answers or you don't. And that's, and that's it. And they decide what the right answers are. Yeah. So, so this is not a hill you want to die on if you want to continue selling on Amazon. You're not going to educate them philosophically on the proper thinking of fair price. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, good stuff. No, and, and you're not going to win. And nope. um, and so you just want to sell again. And that's the fastest way to get to it is to, you know, just explain how whatever happened happened, 
how you're going to make sure it doesn't happen again, and how now you understand. And like I said, I would say for a large number of our clients, they really didn't realize that what they were selling was essential. So when they got the announcement, they were really like surprised. I mean, not all of them, but some of them were genuinely surprised. And so that's key to know, to look at your inventory and and think through, might this be considered essential? Do you have the the essential list from California and Florida? That like rather than me researching it, do you happen to know where it, is that something that you could provide? I could put stick in the show oh, notes, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I I can send you a link because um, I included it in um, a recent blog post. Beautiful, so, and we'll, we'll yeah, promote that blog post here in a couple minutes as well when we talk about how people can get a hold of you and such. But I have one last question before uh, we start to land this episode or land this segment. I should say, how many people have you helped? You know, let me. Gonna, I like these two part questions because you can kind of go where you want with this. How many people have you helped with a plan of action over price gouging? And you know, how many people have you turned away? Like, ah, you can handle on your own. I mean, this is you know, where's that line? When do we need a professional? And how many of them have you have you done? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay, we usually get at least one a day. So and have for months now. Yeah. Sometimes more than that. So I, I don't know how many, I mean, 50, 60, quite a few. And in the beginning, in the very beginning, you know, we got people, the ones who were seriously price gouging and got taken down for it. Mm-hmm. And we did try for a couple of them because they were current or previous clients and we were not successful. And, and that's because Amazon had decided, you know, like they were there was no way they were getting back. Just like, you know, the Colvins are never getting back, right? <laughs> the poster child for price gouging, Matt Colvin. But we've done a lot of these. And and the other part of your question was, how many do we turn away? When, no, when um, do we need to, you know, at what point have I crossed the line and I'm thinking, okay, I need a pro with my price gouging issue. Let's I say I took think- a stab at my first one. You know, what are some indicators that, Time to call the lawyer almost, right? And from a, from a legal sense, it's right. like, where's that line in the sand for you over people who've like, oh no, you could have handled that yourself versus time to call Cynthia. Right. A lot of people can handle it themselves. And, you know, and so I think it's worth trying yourself before calling in a professional. And I think where you might say, I really need a professional is like, if you're stuck, like you're in, you know, the Amazon hell autoresponder loop and nothing seems to be happening. And, um, you don't understand why they're not accepting your appeal or something like that, or they bring up something else that's troubling them. Then there might be more going on in your account than just that. Those are times when I would think about you know, calling in someone like me. And then the other time is um, if you're someone that just has to get back right away, you cannot waste time on it. That's a good time to hire a professional because as I told you earlier, you know, we're generally, our people are getting back in two to three days. And so for certain sellers, high volume sellers where time is money, that they just, they don't even think about doing it themselves, right? They just hire a professional. But Otherwise, for a lot of the smaller sellers, they are trying themselves. And, you know, some of them are successful. I mean, who follow what we talk about. Beautiful. So I think that's probably a first place to start anyway. Yeah, that's good. And, and that's fairly consistent with the advice we generally give is take a step. Don't get emotional. You know, take a stab at here's the facts. 
Make sure you emphasize that you understand the policy. If they accuse you of doing something wrong, don't say, no, I didn't do anything wrong. Say, I'd recognize where I went wrong. Even if you disagree philosophically, <laughs> it's not yeah. enough just to delete the item. I would literally include links back to their policy in your appeal. Yeah. Links. Oh, even you know. links to the policy is, is it, rather than copy yeah. paste the policy. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah don't so they can check that box. Yes, this person understands the policy. Yeah. You know, I read Amazon's policies at this link. I understand now that, you know, mm-hmm. my price went up by too much or whatever it is. Yeah, I was and so wrong before. Through. I read the policy. Now I understand. <laughs> and I know where the policy is because here's the link. Got it. Well, let me, let's wrap it up here. I want to hear about what would I spend if I were to give you a call and you were to help me through a typical, I know everyone's kind of different, but just give me a general ballpark. How much is it going to set me back to to hire a pro? You answer that however you'd like, and tell me a little bit more about how people can contact you, where your website is. You know, if if they want to take a stab at sure. at uh, consuming some of your content and, and some of these other great blog, like the blog article you wrote. You know, where's that? So take all that and run with it for a couple minutes. Okay. Well, basically, if you're going to hire a pro and you're dealing with you know a few ASINs, um, you're probably going to spend around. Uh, $1,200. I really can only speak for myself because I don't know what my competitors are charging. I'm talking specifically. Um, Yeah. But if it's an account, uh, you're going to spend like $2,500. That's pretty consistent among me and my competitors around that price point. And um, and if you need an expedite, that's the people who are like, I have to be back right now. You know, most of us have expedited. So you can look into that. And you can find me um, at egrowthpartners.com. And uh, I do have a blog there. And I am very thorough and detailed in my blogs when I talk about a topic. So obviously, it doesn't cost anything. Please come and read it and sign up. And uh, you can also reach my team at 972-432-6398 or hello at egrowthpartners.com. I do have uh, a team. So there's somebody who can be there to help you. And we also work seven days a week, um, depending on whether you're an expedite or not. But we, we do provide extended service for people. So, you know, give us a call. Fantastic. And that blog post you mentioned that has the list of essentials, the links, what, what's the title of that? Is, you, could you just send me a link to that? And I'll stick it in the show notes as well. But how could we find it on yeah, your website? Yeah, I'll send you the link. I, off the top of my head, I don't remember. I, w- I wrote about three COVID-related uh, blogs. You know, boom, boom, boom. It's in one of those. I will send it gotcha. to you. Gotcha. No worries. Uh, if people can go back yeah. and find it's It's going to be somewhere in the, you know, March. March. Yeah. Know, March, April. But <laughs> I will Somewhere get in there. You. Okay. Very good. Yeah. And... And it sounds to me like we're kind of through the worst of the bad news as far as Amazon really crushing sellers who are gouging. If you're getting accused at this point, you've made it through those early waves of them really putting their foot down hard and fast and heavy on some of the big boys who are really jacking up the prices. They've come down hard on mm-hmm. them. Now it's just a matter of kind of getting through the, the the weeds and it's the inconvenience of it for sure. But you're not seeing a whole lot of people just basically being crushed off the platform at this point, it sounds like, especially over these minor... Not, yeah, not for fair pricing because most, mm. most people who were you know, the bad guys 
they learned their lesson, right? Um, or they learned from the people who did get taken down. And so we're not seeing as egregious bad, be- bad behavior on the platform as we were. So again, I anybody who gets taken down for serious price gouging and they're surprised, there's something wrong with them. They know yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, okay. Um, so Fair enough. that's why I said most of my clients are innocent. They're just, they didn't understand what Amazon is doing. Sure. But they're not out to to take advantage of people. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those issues. And, and as a, almost a separate topic, I truly enjoy the debate over what is a fair price? What is gouging? What isn't gouging? Where, do we just let the free markets roll? Or do we really crank down? If so, on what items? I love that. But the topic here is, how do we keep Amazon happy? <laughs> really, our opinions yes. on all those other questions I just mentioned are interesting fodder, of course and determine yeah. our politics and our worldview. And but no, it's what does Amazon want? That's all that matters for this discussion. And I think we did a pretty good job of, of nailing down, drilling into that topic today. Yeah. So, so thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. We're going to stick links to all your stuff in the, that you mentioned in the show notes today at silentgym.com. If you don't have that link yet, that's the only one you need. You'll get all the stuff that Cynthia mentioned today. So do shoot me an email, Cynthia, okay? With all the, all the stuff okay. that you mentioned today, we'll stick it in the show notes. And to all the business building warriors, thanks for joining us for this series, if you will, of uh, experts who can speak into this topic um, much more thoroughly than I can, because this is what they do all day, every day. So hopefully you're enjoying this. And Cynthia, our guest today, thanks for hanging out with us. Appreciate your knowledge and your expertise as always, my friend. Thank you, Tim. Talk to you soon. Okay, we've talked about price gouging and suspension and fair price warnings and plans of action. We've talked about it, I think, and we are all experts on this subject now at this point. Three different experts with pretty similar perspectives on the issue, but each with some unique insights to offer. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Again, I'll remind you, this is a great episode to share with someone who is worried about fair price warnings and gouging specifically on the Amazon platform. We didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about the ethics and the worldviews of price gouging and fair price warnings and what it is and isn't. We just talked specifically about how to protect your account and how to get your account back if you're selling on Amazon and you're playing around in the arena of essentials. You want to be careful. So hopefully you got a lot of great info out of these guests. I know I sure did. I feel very educated and informed on this topic now. Reach out to any of them. And I'll remind you in the show notes at silentgym.com, you can jump over and get links to all three guests that we had on the show today, their websites, their contact information, and you can figure out who's right for you in the event that you need the services from one of these great pros that we had on the show today. There's a handful of other companies out there that provide these services. These are the three that we're most familiar with, that people in our community have used. They know, like, and trust more than any others that I'm aware of out there. If you've got others, feel free to mention it in the notes. Send us a link. That's cool. Let us know about it. We'll add them to our resource list. But check out the links. If you're watching this on YouTube, we'll have them right below this for all the resources. Or if you go to silentgym.com and check out this podcast episode show notes, you'll see links to everything that was mentioned today. So good job hanging in there. And there was a lot to absorb today but a very necessary episode for the season we find ourselves in. Hey, God bless you, Business Building Warrior. We've got many other great episodes coming at you very soon and probably not many with three individual guests. That was a lot of work and that was a lot to listen to as well. But very good time 
spent as far as making sure you have the knowledge that you need to navigate where we find ourselves right now. All right, we'll talk to you again. We'll have another episode real soon. Thanks for listening. Hey, spread the word. Tell people to go to silentgym.com. Tell them about this podcast. It's the only way we pick up new listeners is when you spread the word. Thanks for doing that. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.